I'm TJ Walsh, and you're listening to the Bold Creatives Collective podcast. Take a front row seat to hear conversations with successful musicians, producers, actors, visual artists, designers, directors, marketers, and more, and learn about their perspectives and approach to leadership, creativity, innovation, and growth. Let's dive in. I'm really excited to have this conversation with Bobby Ballard and... The reason I'm excited about this conversation is because Bobby and I are kind of like similar people in terms of like how like this type of stuff that we do during the day, meaning we're both artists and we're both therapists and we both combine those by working uh, a lot with with artists because we know what it's like to be an artist and uh, we have knowledge and training and skills to help you out in in ways that um, that we often get stuck. So, Bobby, I'm so excited to introduce you to uh, the Bold Creators Collective audience. Um, but before we jump into what we're going to talk about, can you just like let us in on the secret to who you are and what you're about? Hi, thanks. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> My big secret is that my name is Bobby Ballard. <laughs> now everyone knows. I'm a psychologist. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm getting okay. over bronchitis and I'm like, I'll cough. Oh my gosh. And I'm here making you talk. Okay, cool. No, take your oh, time. I'm really happy to be here. So um, I've been a psychologist for 20 some odd years and um, I've been an artist for longer than that. Although interestingly, I haven't been willing to call myself that until just a few years ago. Okay. You finally were able to kind of like get over that like hump and be yeah. like, I'm claiming this for myself. Which is strange, right? Because I would have told, probably did tell friends, clients, whatever, whoever, like you make art, you're an artist. Right. But it's like, I couldn't do that to myself until a few years ago where I was like, oh, I'm an artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So isn't that That's weird? That's a big deal to be able to get to that point, right? Because yeah, yeah like you, I always find myself, I'm like, king of minimizing things yeah. i don't know if that comes out of some kind of like bad like counseling techniques lecture that i had all those years ago that were like <laughs> you know but i'm pretty sure they told me not to use minimizing words but anyway i'm always like i'm a little bit or i'm kind of like this or right. i'm kind of like an artist or i'm you pretty know, skilled of, at therapy yeah yeah no <laughs> <laughs> instead of being like this is who i am this is what i'm good at and i've been yeah. doing it all of my life and so i am going to own that that designation so i'm I glad that you're get, able to do that thanks i do get better at the older i get i realize okay. like i'm comfortable now saying because i see um my clients get better so I'm comfortable sitting with like, I think I'm a pretty good therapist, you know? Right. Oh, you know what? I just qualified it again by saying pretty good. Pretty good. But, yeah. But it's like, you know, nobody's the right fit for everyone. But it's like with the clients that I work well with, it's like, oh my gosh, therapy is really effective. Like, yeah. Better. Yeah. 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 And that's that's that speaks to the importance of, you know, knowing, like if we're talking about the, the therapy part of uh, the therapist part of us, yeah. knowing the types of people that you that you like to work with yeah. and that you that you get along with and are able to help uh, because otherwise it can be like a pretty uh, demoralizing trudge right. through right. the wilderness, yeah. right? It was, um, it was one of the, I think it was, Al do you know Allison per year? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I figured um, it was one of those like find your ideal client things. Mm -hmm. 
that I did and realized that artists and creatives had like found me versus me deciding that I would work with artists and creatives. So I looked back over all the years of therapy and it was like, who do you work with the best? Who did you do the best work with? Who did you like, you know, always feel more energized after session versus less? And I was like, oh my God, they were all artists and creatives. How did I not notice this for years? (laughs) Right. So then I was like, okay, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. And and you've been doing it ever since, right? You've yeah. been really capitalizing on that. And then yeah. as far as your artist side, can you give sure. our, our, our folks like an idea of like where you are in that world? Yeah, um, I'm a little bit um, all over the place historically. Like I've drawn, I've painted, I've designed flowers, I've made jewelry, I've played cello, I've played drums. Like I just, I kind of get obsessed with something mm-hmm. and do that one thing. And then I get obsessed with something else. <clears throat> but right now what I've been doing for a long time, it's not really an obsession anymore because it's kind of stuck is drawing and painting and then digitizing my work and then nice. turning it into repeating patterns. So cool. I'm doing like surface pattern design. Nice. And yeah, so I learned Adobe Illustrator and I still like my analog like charcoal there's like nothing like charcoal on paper and right you know, there's but, nothing like but, that tactile like yeah. hands-on stuff right the, yeah the even the dance. sound of it like i'm thinking of the sound of it right now and i'm uh-huh. getting a little dopamine hit it's <laughs> <laughs> so nice right yeah so you can't get that from the computer right so but i scan it in and then do a lot of my composing like compositions on in um illustrator nice and awesome. yeah, so that's what I've been doing. And I've I've actually I've got a side hustle of where I'm trying to pitch, not trying to, I am pitching yeah. my my art um for like fabric, wrapping paper, you know, things like that. Awesome. So yeah. That's really exciting, that whole process. It is. It's exciting and it's, you know, nerve-wracking and yeah. Yeah, all, of, the, all, all of, of those things, things that artists deal with imposter syndrome. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. this is what we're this is part of really why we're getting together to to make this episode and have this conversation, which is, you know, the tendency, I guess, for artists and creatives or multi-passionate creative people, whatever, uh, we tend to we tend to be a little see there goes the qualifier again I was gonna say <laughs> a little more on the anxious side but we tend to be on the anxious side of things or the nervous side of things a lot we and do we, there's research there's We're, research yes artists yeah. are more anxious we are yeah it's like a sensitivity like intuitiveness and mm-hmm. yeah it's like our antennas, it. our antennas are yes. like more acutely tuned to like the energy and the, mm-hmm. and the like just overall uh, stimuli that's, that's yeah. around us. And yeah. when we're constantly stimulated and constantly like taking information in, no yeah. wonder we're kind of buzzed a little bit. And right. we're like between a rock and a hard place because on one hand, if you're, a creative and you don't make art, you get really anxious because you're not doing this thing that you know right. that your being wants to do. But then right. on the other hand, if you do make it, it's like so vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there. So it's like, right. how do we win? <laughs> right. No, right. Yeah. Like you get like 
the worst of both worlds, right? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't create, but I have to. Right. Or, oh my gosh, I just I just did something and now I have to share it with the oh. world or now someone has to see it and experience yeah. it. But that's that's what I wanted anyway, isn't it? Right. Like, yeah, we're definitely between a rock and a hard place a lot that's of, where a lot being, of the time. That's where having like other artists and creative, having like a community of like-minded people, that's where that is like priceless. Yes. You realize everybody's feeling that and you can all do it anyway and like cheer each other on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, you kind of find a little a little comfort zone there, a world that you can be yourself in and experiment and yeah. and step into vulnerability a little bit before actually taking the leap fully yeah. into it and and putting yourself out there. Yeah. I love being a part of artist collectives mm-hmm. um, or even just informal gatherings of of creatives where we yeah. can really come together and get to know one another get to know each other's work um and then from there kind of take steps yeah steps out. yeah i love it too i'm i'm a member of like at least three or four different like online artist membership things okay. And I'm starting one for people who actually like are artists, but also like deal with anxiety. Like nice. we can talk about the difference yeah. between regular being an artist and it's anxiety provoking versus like having clinical anxiety, having clinical anxiety. Yeah. Right. Cause there is a difference there. I think that that's yeah. an important, an important thing to, to know. Maybe we can talk a little bit about yeah, that, let's do that. that now. Yeah. Right. Because, because I think it's kind of the lexicon, right? Like, Oh, I'm feeling so anxious right now, or oh my gosh, mm-hmm. my anxiety is really, really bad. Or right, oh like goodness, I'm freaking I'm, out. I'm gonna I'm have a panic attack. Out. Right, it's like, maybe you are, but maybe it's just a turn of phrase. I don't know. Right, exactly. Yeah. So when you're working with an artist, yeah, and they're telling you that they're about to freak out, or they're having a panic attack, or they're really anxious, how do you help them? How do we determine like? whether it's kind of like actually probably okay and good motivational kind of nervousness that might actually be able to help them that they can capitalize on versus something that like, Hey, as Laurie Gottlieb says, maybe you should talk to somebody (laughs) about this and work it out. Can you set the stage? Um, You know, you asked when I'm talking to an artist, how do I suss it out? And that's kind of a, that's kind of like a clinical assessment thing, right? Of right. figuring out, does this person have anxiety or are they right. just, you know, having like kind of normal. Um, normal people stuff. Yeah. Um, but one of the ways to tell is the, like, is it really impairing your life or is, is it just something that's annoying that you have to like work on and work around? So like, for example, I'm procrastinating right now doing some things okay. um, because I, cause they're, you know, anxiety provoking, but I know I'm going to do them. I'm just procrastinating. I'll probably like vacuum before I do them. And I hate vacuuming. Right. Um, but it's about <laughs> okay. pitching artwork. And so it makes me anxious, but uh-huh. I'm going to do it. So I, so it's not anxiety, like in a clinical sense, mm-hmm. it's just that normal kind of like, makes me feel really vulnerable right avoid it for a while and then i'm gonna have a little talk with myself and probably get some support from some call from other artists and i'll do it and then i'll probably go to like one of my groups of artists and be like i did it and they'll be like yay and then yeah you did it 
Yeah, right. right? So I just need a little support because I'm human. So that's like normal anxiety. But if it, if I felt so anxious that it was affecting my functioning and I not only couldn't do it, but I was um, couldn't do other things because I, you know, my heart's beating. I feel, uh, you know, I'm, like my world's getting smaller mm-hmm. because of the anxiety. That's like, maybe you should talk to somebody. Right. Like your and- nervous system is just so haywire that it's yeah that it's like causing you to not be able to like move from right from position right you're really in that fight flight freeze kind of situation yeah I mean my therapy practice is different because I tend to see people who like nobody that I well I don't want to say nobody but hardly anybody loves like starting therapy right like they put it off even my therapist friends, like we put it off and finally it's like, okay, I'm in therapy finally. Right. So, I mean, by the time someone comes to me, it's usually like, well, it started out that I avoided this, but now I'm having trouble going to the grocery store and like, mm-hmm. it's just getting ridiculous. Something has to change and I don't right. know. What to do. um, right. So that's like more clearly anxiety. Yeah. 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 So, so am I hearing you say that like the, the more like normal and for the people who have to see the video, I'm using air quotes, the people who are listening, <laughs> I'm not. Um, the normalish anxiety of like what you were saying, you know, I'm going to vacuum before I actually yeah. go through with like sending the email or having the conversation right. because it's vulnerable. Can that ex- expand and create a situation where you find yourself actually with something that is like a clinical issue yeah absolutely yeah those normal things it often starts out that way right that's what i thought i heard you say there yeah yeah and it it starts out that way and if you don't kind of have the tools in place to cope with it the nervous system kind of it's always on the lookout for learning how to keep you safe and alive yeah and yeah. so when you avoid something and it feels really good to avoid it, it's like, oh, okay, we're not going to, you know, we avoided that, you know, right. death sentence of sending an email. <laughs> right, right. So now we're going to really like. So now we're not going to send any emails. In fact, we right. shouldn't even open the computer. <laughs> right. And, you know, and it just like grows and grows. And it's like our nervous system trying to keep us safe, but it's just kind of, um, you know, it's just kind of misguided. like over-functioning, right? It's, yeah. it's over-functioning. It's doing its job, but it's doing it like too well. Too well. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's I, doing I, it only from like the back part of our brain and not the front part of our brain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, something, and I don't know, like if this is an intervention or a suggestion that you might share with, with, with folks or not, but something that I do find helpful when people are when people are dealing with more with more of that like normal anxiety that hasn't quite gotten them like locked in place yet is yeah. like to actually talk to that part of your yes. brain or that that part of yourself that is over functioning that is doing right. it too quickly like hello part of me right like yeah. i see what you're doing here i really appreciate that you want to protect me in this situation because I am scared, but I need to be able to learn how to do scary things sometimes. So why don't you go like take a seat in the back of the room? And if I need you, I will call you 
and you can come help me again. I'm totally nodding. Nobody can see me who's <laughs> listening. I'm totally <laughs> nodding on. Like that's exactly that's spot on. Right. Because and, I think it's important to yeah. acknowledge that part of yourself because yeah. it's there for a reason, right? And he, she, they, it is really just trying to to keep you alive. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And a lot of times people come to me and they're like, I hate that part of me. I want to get rid of it. And right. it's a big mindset shift to actually that part of you is trying to keep you safe. Um, and I often even make it more like visual, like there's a conference table in your head and it's at yeah. one of the seats, but it doesn't have to be at the head of the table with the gavel. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Or it can be on the bus, that. but it's not driving the bus or whatever, you know, metaphor. Right. Um, and, and it, exactly what you're saying about like, thank you. I hear you. I appreciate you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. You'll catch on eventually that you'll be okay. Trust right. me. <laughs> right. Cause it will learn. It will learn. It, I mean, that's what's so does, amazing about yeah. our, our, our brains, our minds and stuff. It, we are very adapt adaptive if right. we allow ourselves to adapt, right. right. And to change. Yeah. It learns. Cause it wanted, rigid. Yeah, it, it really does. Like its goal is the same, which is to keep us safe. So when we do these like, quote unquote, unsafe things um, that we know are safe, um, like sending emails. <laughs> um, right. And that part sees, oh, nothing bad happens. Like it starts to relearn not to get anxious about it because um, it wants to direct its energy towards actual threats. Right. It, it's, it learns, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. Right. And I also think another another way that I that I try to work with with artists and people who are, you know, trying to like put themselves out there for an audience to kind of see um, is to, you know, we come up with all of these like ways or these thoughts and and beliefs about like, you know, how we're going to be how we're going to be seen or viewed or what people are going to think of us or what kind of judgment are going to, is going to uh, come upon us or, you know, how much of a fool we're going to make of ourselves. Right. And we think that like, we paint this picture in our head of like it being like everybody, right. Like all of the, all of the people who can possibly yeah. see us over all of eternity. But I try and help people, kind of slow down a little bit, you know, and validate their desire to put their artwork out there or to have their music played or to stand on a stage and perform something really awesome. Validate that and be like, that is awesome. This is what you're meant to do. And then, yeah, it's also normal to have these experiences where you're like, oh my gosh, all of these people are going to think this, that, and the other thing, but then stop them and say, but it's not going to be all of the people. Can you quiet yourself down for just like a minute or two here and try and think about when that voice is going on in your mind, saying all those things, like whose voice is that that's saying that to you? Because I'm willing to bet that it's only maybe like one or two people's voices that you're actually hearing. And it's those people that have done things or have said things or who have, you know, whatever in your past to kind mm -hmm. of create that narrative that you've taken on. And so maybe if we can kind of 
separate them out a little bit, yeah, it might be a, a little bit easier, not totally easy, but a little bit more easy to like get yourself out there and put yourself yeah. on stage. Yeah. I just had this visualization as you were talking of separating those people out and then turning down a volume knob on them. Uh-huh. And thinking of some really supportive people who you know are like your cheerleaders and turning, and turning it the up. volume knob up on them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Can we adjust? How can we adjust the volume? That's yeah. that's really cool. I like that visual a lot. And yeah. I think the, the, the what we're talking about now, I think, is a bit like how to befriend parts of yourself yeah. that are good in their intentions but maybe a little too like heavy-handed or yeah uh, you know critical of of what of who you are and what you're doing right Right. yeah yeah and oh wow I just lost my train of thought it's okay it's okay because I've got I've got a couple things I'm thinking about one is like the inner critic Uh uh-huh talking about that and then um Hold on a second. It's okay. Take your time. I didn't make a clean jump, actually. So, okay. You were talking about the um. Oh, I know. I was thinking about um. When you're when you're in that place where you're feeling really nervous, mm-hmm. and the um the scared part of you is interpreting it as oh something scary is out there, but our nervous system only has like one setting for being excited. And so you can reframe it like when your heart's beating really fast and you're sweating and stuff as, wow, I'm really excited. Like, look how excited my body is. Like, I'm so excited to go on stage. Yeah, that's a great way to kind of look at that. I, I actually just got, um, uh, so my, my two-year-old, I have two boys. I have a five-year-old and two-year-old. Five-year-old's about to go to kindergarten next week. Two-year-old just started preschool on Monday. And, um, Oh wait, I was I was about to tell a story about the wrong kid with the wrong. Kid. <laughs> this is a story about my five year old who was about to go to kindergarten, and um, I'm all I'm all sorts of scared about that, um, but also excited, and it's all very confusing. And I got an email from uh, the school district from the um, the elementary school guidance counselor, the elementary school counselor. Um, I was like, oh gosh, this woman, how can she do this work? Because I could never work with kids, but, and what is she going to say to me? That's actually going to be interesting because I know it all already, but (laughs) she, in her thing, she was talking in her letter. Um, she was talking about how our bodies experience, um, fear or being scared and being excited the same way. Yes. But, and just like you were saying just a a minute ago, it's like a mindset thing. It's like how are, how we view that sensation or that experience in our body is how we're going to like react to it. Right. So it can be meaning and make meaning of it. So it can be scary to go out on stage, right? right. Or it can be scary to go to kindergarten or send your kindergarten kid to kindergarten for the first time but you're also feeling kind of excited too yeah and we have a we can make a choice there about which one we're gonna which side of that we're gonna lean into right 
exactly yeah yeah do you find that there are like particular things that people can actually like do to choose one or the other go with one or the other there in that sensation or moment or is it really just like up oh, recognizing that they're the same and that we can choose to go with one side or the other i mean it's partly that second thing of yeah. recognizing but if you're um practiced at at like regulating your nervous system, it's easier to get yourself to a place where you can choose instead of just being so like physically and physiologically aroused that yeah. you just like, you know, your, your brain has gone completely offline and mm -hmm. it's really hard to like remember anything. Right. So if you have, you know, some regulation skills under your belt, then you're more likely, like I'm, I'm imagining someone, you know, just about to like go out on stage or something. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to be able to just like take one breath and be like, oh, okay, I'm really excited. Right. Because they're trained, like they've trained their body to, you know, not go completely berserk. Mm -hmm. That's the clinical term, berserk. It yeah. is. It is. The yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, put the citation good. for that term in the show Thanks. notes so Thank that everybody you. can go and check that. Yeah. Yeah. But that but that regulation of the nervous system is why everybody is saying like mindfulness, meditate. It's like it sounds so cliche. And I've even had clients come to me as new clients and complain and be like, Oh, I go to therapy, but they just tell me to meditate. And I'm thinking on one hand, well, okay, that's not the only thing that you can that like you can offer do. up as a therapist. But on the other hand, you really should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you really should meditate. You really mm -hmm. should do some mindfulness. Yeah. You're training yourself. You're training right. your brain and your body. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're telling people that as therapists because we know that when, like you, you said a minute ago, when our body is so aroused, when we're so heightened, yeah. we legitimately cannot use the part of our brain that will kind of help us solve a problem. Right. We don't even have access to we it. We don't have access to anxious. it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it makes sense then that the therapist that you're sitting in front of is going to say, okay, let's try and do some mindfulness or do something to kind of, to kind of get your, get your body back uh, yeah. online. Right. Yeah. But when, but what is kind of hysterical because life is hysterical is like mm -hmm. when you're sitting in front of a therapist and you're so aroused and they're telling you to do that, that's maddening. Right. To, right. Because you, you don't know what they're, you can't, why are they telling me to do that? If I could, right. I, right. So it's kind of like, how do we help people figure out when they need to engage figure out before they need to engage with something like that, that they're going to need to, and then find something that they can use without yeah. having to think about it that much that works for them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm imagining it would feel like on the client side of just hearing, hearing someone say, you know, have you tried meditation? Like yeah. I wouldn't feel very seen or heard. It's just right. so generic right. versus like, really being with that person and saying what's going on in your body right now yes. you know what do you notice where where are you holding anxiety yes. what's happening with your breathing and just really you know being with that person as an individual and not as well this is a human body that needs some meditation so i'll tell them that right and, and i'm not trying to harsh on therapists because honestly we are in seriously burned out profession right now uh-huh yeah and, um i'm i'm so fortunate that i've been able to structure 
my therapy practice right now. So it feels really sustainable, right. but it also means that I don't see that many clients. Right. And that's partly because I have a partner who earns an income as well. Right. And there were years where I was a single mom and I did what I had to do to support my family. And it's hard. It's, it's hard, really to hard to carry that clinical load. Yeah. And so I, I, I have all this compassion for therapists who, you know, maybe make that miss Mm-hmm. And, and or you know aren't mm-hmm. able to like be as present as maybe they could be yeah otherwise. well i also think sometimes it's really hard when we have a client who um who comes in and they are so desperate right that they they really need something to work this time like they yeah. they really they really need to feel relief or they really need to figure something out and as a as another human being sitting across from somebody like that you know the most immediate thing or the most like you know uh normal thing to do so to speak is to just like offer advice or ask I want to fix it I want to fix this yeah. as opposed to being like I see your urgency I understand that this is a really really difficult experience for you and I'm probably going to piss you off but I'm not going to right away just like offer like ask you a bunch of questions and offer you a bunch of things. Right. But I'm going to check in with you. Like what's going on right now Yeah. in this moment that is creating that sense of urgency for you? What are you, what are you feeling in your body? Like you were oh, saying. Yeah. I know you were talking to some hypothetical client, but as you were <laughs> saying it, looking at me, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like as a therapist who sees somebody, especially if you're a burnt out therapist, right. Yeah. Who um, is on because they have to on their like eighth client of 10 in a day, right? Those days, right? I'm glad I'm gone from that life. Um, It's just easier to be like, here's a worksheet on mindfulness. Try this when you get home. I promise it does work. Yeah. Um, Okay. Goodbye. Right. Like, You know, yeah. sometimes that's all you have room to yeah, offer. We're so, yeah, that, that, yeah, we're human. Yeah. But I think, yeah. So anyway, like working with artists, though, um, what are different ways that we can be mindful or we can like bring awareness to our body to find grounding? And I find that, you know, some people resonate with some form of meditative practice. Some people resonate with, you know, uh breathing mm-hmm. exercises and yeah. stuff. I find that artists really kind of resonate with like singing. So like mm-hmm. singing to themselves yeah. um, along to something that brings them into their body. Singing and um, humming. Singing and humming like yeah. really brings them into the body. And then also um, just like uh, drawing with like really rudimentary like non-expensive materials um on like well it can be small or large scale but generally like small like just like moving your arm around and like using color to like really like feel that connection body connection to something that is grounding and i find that artists who are used to like doing stuff and making stuff um, and being like productive, yeah. and seeing something, gravitate towards those kinds of exercises. I, or I agree. I've found that too. Like, 
engaging the senses to help with anxiety Mm -hmm. and even senses that aren't necessarily used for art. Like I've had clients where they're feeling really anxious. This sounds funny, but they carry a little Ziploc of like orange peels and fresh ginger Uh and they smell that. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And it helps calm them down. And those are really like kind of energizing, but also pleasant smell. Yeah. 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 It's, it's Um, like, it's like that. Um, it's like a less harsh version of that uh, uh, that put a cold compress on the back of your neck, right? And wake you up kind of experience. Right. Or those smelling, remember? Um, the smelling salts. Right? Yeah, where you break that thing and put it under someone's nose. Uh-huh. I don't see that so much anymore. But like growing up, it was always on TV where people would like wave smelling salts under someone who fainted. Yeah. Right. It's like that, but it's like, yeah, orange and ginger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sort of brings you back to your body. Right. Bring and it grounds you. Yeah. So I can even imagine like that, that performer that you were painting the picture of a few minutes ago, who was about to go on stage and feeling really kind of overwhelmed. And because they have trained themselves to be able to just take a breath, they're able mm-hmm. to get themselves back to present and yeah. then go do their thing. Somebody yeah. who might need a little more help in training themselves could be a person that carries around a little baggie. Right. Hey, of- right orange peel and ginger yeah. they're about to go out on stage and they're having the butterflies and they're like yeah. oh my goodness they can take that and they can smell it and then right. they're brought back to present and it, smelling it it reminds them to take a deep breath because they because when they smell it they know that they have to do because they've told themselves ahead of time to do a really deep right you know, inhale with the smell and so they're they're smelling the smell and they're also taking a deep breath and yeah exactly it's gonna help yeah help ground them and and then yeah here i am i'm present and now i'm gonna go and i'm gonna do my thing yeah 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 all of these things so it's it doesn't have to be okay let's like sit here and quiet oh sorry excuse me right you don't have to sit and meditate yeah you don't have to sit and meditate and be quiet and like keep bringing yourself back to present all of the time right like counting your breaths i mean i do i count my breaths but everybody doesn't have to yeah right right it's about finding what works for works for you um and and i think that you know it was something for me you know as an as an artist that um that has really kind of pushed himself to like be you know in front of people more often it has been for me just literally like jumping in and just doing it like i've i'm someone that can like not that that doesn't really get frozen as much anymore huh. where i can just like huh. jump in and then i've noticed that i didn't die and then that becomes reinforced reinforcement for me too um when i work with therapists in terms of like their visibility and being okay with getting themselves out there in a way that they've been trained not to do. Um, Similar to artists needing to learn how to market themselves and get in front of people in ways that don't feel natural to them. I'm just like, put something out there that isn't perfect and experience what that's like, recognize that you're not going to die. Spoiler alert. Bad happened. Right. And then bring that back and think about like, what was that like to do that? What was it? What did that feel like? What, what did that, um, what did that like 
response or that lack of response do for you? How are you feeling in your body after, after doing that? And just like having them repeat those like little things over and over again, instead of like waiting until they have this really big masterpiece or this really big like event that they have to do um, all at once. If we chunk it up for them, you know, that anxiety, that anticipatory anxiety or that fear base kind of drops down a bit more. Yeah, yeah. The chunking it into pieces is really helpful because mm-hmm. it's a way of it's 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 kind of a, an exposure therapy thing that if you break it down and it's like what's the tiniest thing you could do that actually isn't very anxiety provoking it might right. just be like take your guitar out of the case or take right. your you know put put your art materials out or fill up your bucket with water or whatever it is um, okay so just do that one thing don't worry about the rest. Right. And then after you do that, you're like, you check in, you realize, yeah, you're okay. You're calm. What's the next tiniest thing you could do that isn't really that big of a deal? So you exactly. can do it. It's kind yeah. of a way you're tricking your mind <laughs> because you're taking all these little steps. And then by the end, you're doing your thing that you thought you could do. Yeah. Exactly. That's, you know, I, I am notorious for, well, I just got, I just got finished telling everybody here that like, I just like jump in and like do it. But it's not entirely. That hasn't entirely been my story forever. Um, I and probably not even now is that is it true that I just jump in and do it? But more likely, and my experience has been more often that I take a really long time to do something that's really big, mm-hmm. and it's almost. I've gotten help. <laughs> I've gotten help around this because I, I've I have to make decisions more quickly. I've had to learn that. Like one time, I was supposed to, um, like, I'm a I'm a like a I'm a multi-time Starbucks employee. Like I use okay. like I use Starbucks. I have uh, a daughter who's done that uh-huh. in and out working like that fills a gap right like yes and i love working at starbucks i love interacting with people all of that kind of stuff she did Um, too yeah but like it's been my thing where like i where i need if i need to bridge a gap of income or something you know i i will go back and i'll like have them reopen my partner numbers and i'll sling some coffee for a little bit right um one time it was i was only supposed to do this for six months and um it was i was going through like a a really difficult transition in my life and I needed a distraction. I needed to fill some time. So I went back, I do this for six months and then move on to the, to the next thing. And, you know, six months was approaching and I was like, Oh my God, I got to like, you know, tell them that I'm needing to transition out or whatever. And it took, it took me two years (laughs) to make this decision because it was like, just like really big. And I hadn't, I hadn't like come up with my, with my like mechanisms of like taking bite-sized chunks out from the edges to get Mm -hmm. to the middle yet. And so Mm -hmm. now what I do is like, I just start whenever I have a really big decision to make, or I have a really big presentation to give, or I have something that is just like seemingly a big mountain, I start like removing little, little pieces of that mountain so that by the time I get to like the the big center of it, I'm ready to go. Um, because otherwise, like it was just felt too much and I just like get frozen and just yeah. there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then the next time I went back to Starbucks for another bridge, 
like it wasn't it wasn't as difficult right i was more upfront with it um and everything was okay you know okay. <laughs> yeah but you know that's what i taking the tiniest like taking bites around the edges or the margins moving in right breaking things down to the tiniest chunks yeah um even just opening your guitar case like you said right be really really helpful in terms of making progress yeah and, just like okay tune your guitar you know yeah. don't pressure yourself to play it just tune it yes. and then once it's tuned oh hey you might <laughs> you might end up strumming something i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah for sure like where does it like just take you one step leads to another step leads to another yeah. step and then eventually you are on stage you're at right. your exhibition you are you're doing the thing right. yeah and you look back and be like wow that wasn't did it that was it that was i did it right yeah. it was it's hard overwhelming to think of it all at once right it really is it's more of like one thing a day or just one thing at a time yeah it's, yeah yeah. Do you find in your practice and even maybe in your experience as an artist um, and then also a psychologist who, who helps uh -huh. artists, do you find that most most people need to do those small incremental uh, sh like shifts or do you find that there are also people who confront their worry or their anxiety by just like running full steam into it? and getting it over with That's a really good question okay i know i'm a break it down into pieces person um and the clients i see it might be like i'm seeing a slice of the pie that have come to therapy for help and uh, and i i can't think of anyone who's a run towards it with full force but i don't know maybe those people are out there i don't know um mm -hmm. Because I think now that it's a really good question because it's got me thinking. I, I can't think of anyone who just like runs towards it with full force, like no fear and no. It's like I feel like the fear around it, that's all the like normal human. Like there's no one. I have a mentor, like an artistic mentor, and she's so successful and I look up to her so much, but she's very honest about the fact that she still gets imposter syndrome. She yeah. still gets, you know, fear. And it's reassuring because it's like, okay, it's just like the human condition. Yeah. And she breaks things down into little pieces. And into little pieces. Yeah. 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 I have a friend um, who is, uh, he's a therapist and uh, he coaches therapists to, um, to, you know, build private practices, to be mm -hmm. entrepreneurial. Um, and his, his tagline is doubt yourself and do it anyway yeah yourself and do it anyway this is what he says all of the time hi patrick hey. i know you're probably listening or you better be but like oh, is it? I, I know who you're patrick talking. casal yeah yes yes and, i listen to his podcast okay yeah exactly yeah. and is doubt yourself and do it anyway like yeah. experience the fear understand that it is normal right yeah. and that you know of course it this should be scary in some way because yeah. it's new yeah. it's different yeah. right but don't like, just like give into it, do it, do the thing anyway, right? right. Just do it anyway. And then I'm big on, um, on Im taking imperfect action, right? Yeah. So don't wait until you have this thing perfect without blemish, without any error, you know, yeah. like 
to put it out there because you're never going to, you're always going to come up with a reason why it's not perfect or why there aren't any errors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you could get it to a point that it was perfect. Yeah. I had a client challenge me on that. And she's like, so I'm just supposed to send my shitty art out there. And so I, so I was like, well, I was like, think of it like when it gets to 75, 80%. Yes. Right. Like, no, don't send out your 20% done shitty, you know, you can tell that, you know, it's not done or it's not good or whatever. Like, no, don't send that out. Of course not. But get it to 80%. Get it to 80%. And then send it out. (laughs) Right. Right. Not going to be perfect ever. (laughs) And that that calmed her down. She's like, oh, okay. Right. I don't. So I don't have to share my. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not saying put like something out there. Excuse me. That is. Like, just like garbage, right? Right, um, right. But like your stuff that you've been working on that you've been cultivating and nurturing. And it's like, right. it's like or amazing. Like my first headshot that I put up on a therapy website was like a selfie. Right. But, right. Um, and, you know, it was good enough. This was like, oh, my God, 15 years ago or something. It was fine. It was good enough. And. Um, and then, you know, I replaced it with something better. I replaced it with something better. And now right. like, I have headshots that actually like real photographers took and I <laughs> like them a lot better. Right. But nothing bad happened when I used the selfie. Right. Nothing. Right. And you would not like that evolution of the like headshot quality, right? right. You needed to start like somewhere. I had to start right? somewhere. You had to take a step, right? So that you could then build from right. there and build from right. there. And my practice was fledgling. And so I didn't really, like, I could have gotten a professional headshot. And part of me is like, yeah, you probably should have. But you know what? Who cares? Like, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? It's totally fine. Yeah. And it, and you're still here today. Yeah. Nicer pictures. And it's yeah. awesome and amazing. Oh. <laughs> well, so I want people to be able to find you and talk to you. And I know if they, if they want to and need to, and I know that you mentioned to me that you have um, a free PDF download that, that you can, that you can give to people. Anxious artists, one minute mindset shift is what it was. Um, Can you talk to just like, let us know what that is and then give us an idea of where people might be able to find that. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a um, downloadable PDF, and it walks you through three steps that once you learn them, it takes probably, I, I call it one minute, it's probably less than a minute, but it's that whole stop, calm your nervous system down, take the next step that we've been talking about. Awesome. And it's just a, a structured way to have that in your back pocket. So when you find yourself really stuck, and you're like, oh, I got to do this, and I just can't do it, you're like, oh. I'm going to do these three steps. Nice. And yeah, um, you can find that at ballardphd.com forward slash mindset. Cool. Also, if you just go to ballardphd.com, you can read more about me and the, um, I mentioned I'm starting, it's not launched yet, but I'm starting like something to support anxious artists. Awesome. So if people go to your website, they'll be able to learn more about that. And they'll yeah. be able to also find the three steps. Yeah. To, yeah. The shifting. That's yeah. awesome. I will make sure that I put that link in the, in the show notes too, so that people can have easy access to it. Um, because this is such an important conversation and important uh, topic to talk about around 
um, artists who have so much to give to the world, uh, so much to say. I'm really passionate about it. Yeah. yeah. Not just because artists need to express themselves, but the world needs what you have to do. Like the world needs your art. Yes. Yes. your anxiety, it's not doing you any favors, but it also helps the world when you can like create. When so, you can create. Yeah. Well, that is a perfect way to end the conversation, I think, is that, you know, you owe it to yourself and the world. No to pressure. Be able to handle this. Yeah. No pressure. Don't be anxious about this at all. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, I should have said the Bob Newhart clip. But like, yeah, yeah, the world needs your art and you know, find, find someone like Bobby, find, come talk to me, Yeah. ask me for other, other people who, who help in this way, because you are worth it. And, and the world needs, needs totally. what you have. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where we'll end. But Bobby, thank you so much for, for hanging out with me this afternoon. Oh, thank you. Pleasure's mine. This was really fun. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. This has been the Bull Creatives Collective Podcast. See you soon. Bye.